Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our expansion team episode. So Jalen and I are going to pick a place outside of Seattle where a team where there should be an NBA expansion team. We're also going to look at the pros and cons of an expansion team. And then Jalen and I are going to do an NBA draft style starting five to pick our starting five for our expansion city. So Jalen, what is your expansion city outside of Seattle? So bro, this one was really interesting because I thought like through the different kind of teams that could possibly fall into this area, obviously, you know, when we set this exercise up, we set up, we set it up where we picked a team where we wanted to pick a team that's not Seattle because we felt like Seattle was obvious. They already had the Supersonics. Everybody wants to revive the Supersonics. I personally could get rid of the Minnesota Timberwolves and replace them, but like, sorry, Minnesota. We'll talk about that later. So it's one of those things where we had to pick an area that wasn't already extremely obvious like that. I felt like another place that was going to be extremely obvious was Las Vegas. Obviously the Raiders most recently moved from Oakland. And that was another thing where maybe you could bolster up that city with more sports betting and things like that. But that's not the team that I want. That's not the place that I want my team. If I wanted to pick somewhere that I want my team, I want somewhere where they are crazy, like bet out of hell crazy about basketball. So I got to looking down the list of places that I could have on my options. I came down with one team. I think Louisville, Kentucky should have a basketball team. I think Louisville, Kentucky should have a basketball team. I think it is an excellent basketball city. They have two really good college basketball programs in the area between Louisville, obviously, and Kentucky, obviously, who have probably one of like the bigger non-conference rivalries in state-wise in like the entire country outside of maybe like, you know, Duke Carolina or something of that that caliber. Like they have one of the most significant college basketball rivalries, you know, in the NCAA, in NCAA history even. And I think that that I would personally want to want a team in a city that is crazy about basketball because the turnout is going to look great. I think if we have legitimate product on the floor, we're going to be able to put butts in the seats. And I think it's a city that legitimately embraces basketball culture the way like I would say Louisville is crazy about basketball the way Texas is crazy about football. And I think that puts a lot in perspective about just how much they probably enjoy the game. And as a, as a fan of myself who I'm willing to call, go on a limb and call myself a fanatic, that's, that's why we made the podcast in the first place. I think that I would love to have a basketball team in a city full of fanatics. So I think Louisville is a perfect place for that. And I feel like my only question with Louisville is that because they're a college basketball town, would they be able to embrace an NBA team? Mm-hmm. And I think that the answer is yes. I think that Louisville is definitely a destination for an expansion team. My expansion team def- destination is Kansas City. Ooh. Kansas City is a thriving sports market. They have the Kansas City Chiefs who are going to the Super Bowl. 
They have a baseball team in the Kansas City Royals. They have a soccer team in Sporting KC in the MLS. Now you just need a basketball team. Mm-hmm. I think that Kansas City is an interesting location. Now, I think that it's interesting because they already have an arena. They have the Sprint Center. True. It's True. there. They just need a team. <laughs> I just feel like it's it's perfect for them. Now, obviously, Seattle seems like the first destination for an expansion team. Kansas City had a team long ago, the Kansas City Kings. The Kansas City Kings moved to Sacramento. Now they're the Sacramento Kings. I just think that Kansas City has to look at the other sports teams in the city. The Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC. They're all successful teams. They get fans to go to their games. One of their teams is in the Super Bowl. (laughs) I just think there's a chance. I think it's there. Yeah, and I mean, they've got the Kansas City Star, too, one of the better outlets overall overall in terms of news media. So I think it's one of those things where they're going to get a ton of traction. Obviously, all eyes are on Kansas City from a sports perspective with the fact that, you know, they've been to the Super Bowl the last two years. They've got the hottest quarterback in the NFL, and they're a city that once had a team, like you said beforehand, and for some reason turned them into Sacramento Kings, and they've become like the second most second most cursed franchise next to the Clippers, honestly, in terms of NBA history. So I think that Kansas city is really interesting because I feel like they're a city like on the rise in the sports community. Um, And I think the chiefs obviously like have a lot to do with that because like, they're like really putting, you know, the city on the map. I think it's kind of similar to like, you remember how like, things were when like Memphis got that really crazy like recruiting class like two years ago and so the Memphis Tigers college team looked really good the Memphis Grizzlies were about to get John Morant slash really like had John Morant in the mix right already rolling it just seemed like Memphis basketball just got extremely exciting it went from like the grit and grind we're gonna make the playoffs every year but nip and tuck next uh nip and tuck next to teams like the San Antonio Spurs and the Oklahoma City Thunder who are in similar uh, market styles as us, mainly Oklahoma City, um, but they still thrive a little bit better to, than us. Then team, then transition to teams like the Memphis Tigers and the Memphis Grizzlies who like are really young, athletic, ascending teams. Uh, Memphis is not doing so well right now, but at least when that recruiting class came out, it was like the scariest thing on the world, uh, uh, on the planet when they got guys like James, uh, James Wiseman, Preston Sachua, so on and so forth, guys like Boogie Ellis and so on. So I think that it would just be really interesting to give Kansas City a basketball team because I feel as though the most important point that you stated is they already got the arena. Like, I think that's the greatest point you made. They already had the spot. Like, feel it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Give them some guys. And I have to make a correction. I said the Sprint Center. It's actually the T-Mobile Center. But nonetheless – they still have an arena. They're just waiting for a team to come there. Own companies aside. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes, sir. So moving on now to our pros and cons. Jalen, what are the pros and cons of an expansion team? So this is the dicey part because with an expansion team, there's always going to be a little bit of cost. It's always going to be a little bit of cost. 
um obviously having more teams equals more merchandise equals more tv sponsorships because you're having more teams on uh the contract with tv deals are going to become more important because you're going to have to factor in one or two more likely two more teams into your overall tv scheduling which is going to be important as well obviously the most important part out of all of this is attendance because you essentially add two more teams worth of attendance to your overall lineup. I think the other thing is that you target that targeting certain markets embraces all of those certain focuses. Um, I think both of us picked places particularly that are going to put butts in seats. If you feel they legitimate, you know, either young springy athletic fun to watch team or a legitimate contender in their city. I think if you give them, quality basketball you will get quality fandom and i think that that's the biggest thing for that i think the cons come in the form of this for every team that you create you're going to have to zap some talent away um this is an exercise that we're going to do a little bit later on in terms of the expansion draft we're not going to do it to the level that the nba would actually have to do it but when you start an expansion team, there's a question as to what the talent level will look like. And that's why I touched on it as being the thing that feels so important is the pro is if you field a legitimate young springy team or a legitimate contending team in one of these cities, you'll put butts in the seats. But if you don't, you've essentially created another team in the NBA spectrum to just get beat on. You know what I mean? You've almost just given the NBA another punching bag caliber team similar to the Sacramento Kings of old, the Cleveland Cavaliers of old, definitely not this season because they're playing relatively well this year. The the New York Knicks of old, because I, I again, another team that's actually playing above their above their weight this year. Um, You give the league another one of those punching bag teams. Um, and I think that's one of those things that almost essentially, yes, does it include, does it increase the level of employment of like NBA players? Yes. But I think it also could potentially like dilute the overall talent of the NBA because you're essentially letting like, what, if we're talking about adding at least two more teams I mean, you're increasing the total from like, I mean, we're, we're going to have like nearly 500 to 600 guys in the league. And you're just going to wonder, are there really like 500 to 600 guys who are like legit NBA players? You know what I mean? Like that comes to the question is, do these expansion teams just look like G League squads? I think that's the big con I'm trying to get to here is, if the teams are good, it looks like a great move. But if the teams are punching bags, you essentially are building up stadiums and creating other teams just to say you did it to even out the scales and make both sides have 16 teams on each side of the bracket. It doesn't really make sense. So it depends. So one pro, and I want to use an example for my pro and con, one pro is finding the right city. And I feel like when you find the right city, a basketball team thrives in that city. Uh, a city embraces a basketball team. I use the Toronto Raptors, especially in that 
era. I think that it took a couple years for Toronto to become a great team. They had to get Vince Carter, who became the franchise of that team. They had Tracy McGrady. At one point, they had Damon Stoudemire in the early years of Toronto Raptors basketball. It took a couple of years for this team to succeed and this team to make the playoffs, but they eventually did. And the city embraced the team. The con is, is fans not embracing the team. And my example is Vancouver. I think that the Grizzlies in Vancouver really struggled and they, they couldn't win any games. They had some talented players Sharif Abdurrahim, Mike Bibby. I think they, they had talented players. They had all-star cal. They had an all-star caliber player in Sharif Abdurrahim. Mm-hmm. But the but because they weren't winning games and the attendance rate would go down and the city wasn't embracing the team. So that's that's the tough thing. I think that's that's the con. I think in all likelihood, the two destinations that we selected, Louisville and Kansas City. I think they're open to an NBA team. I think there are two markets that people talk about and people throw in as ideas, as cities that could possibly use an NBA team. And I think that they're, they're, they're destinations that I believe that people will embrace, they're pe- that we could see basketball teams in very soon. Agreed. Like I said beforehand, I think we both pick teams or cities for teams that – already either have a basketball culture in my case of Louisville or an ascending athletics culture within the city in your case with Kansas city. And I think those are both two areas within the country that I think if you said, let me drop a basketball team in there and get that, that has in an area that has a fan base that will rally around whatever team is there. I think we pick two places that would definitely fall into that category. I think, you could even make an argument that either one of these places could be on a similar level to Seattle in terms of deserving a basketball team. So, yeah. And I feel like the interesting thing is that it's almost like a, a second chance for an NBA to try to expand again. Mm-hmm. There were there was an ABA team in Kansas City. There was an ABA team in uh, Louisville, in, in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. There was a basketball team. There was an NBA team in Vancouver. There was an NBA team in Seattle. I think there's a chance that the NBA now has has the opportunity to expand again. And I think there's a great chance that it happens. But moving on to our starting five, Jalen and I are going to be drafting our starting fives for our expansion cities. My expansion city was Kansas City. Jalen's was Louisville. So Jalen, with the first pick, between the twenty and nineteen, the twenty nineteen and the twenty twenty NBA draft classes, Jalen with the first pick. Who are you selecting? Yeah, man, that's the that's the caveat we had to make sure we threw out for the for the listeners is that we wanted to make this very fair. We didn't want to go being able to jack LeBron James from the Lakers or KD from Brooklyn. We figured we we'd create some young ascending teams that can be built upon that can grow and develop together in a city where the fans will embrace them so we pick areas where i think the fans will rally around young teams 
and help uplift them as they grow as a team and grow as players within the league. So that was our main focus for this one. So we used the 2019 and 2020 draft as Ryan uh, pointed out so eloquently. So with that being the case, I'm not wearing his jersey right now, but I should be. You know I got to go with my boy John Morant out of Memphis. I, I'm sorry, Memphis. I, I know you guys love that you have an influx of talent right now. You guys still have Justice Winslow when he's when he's healthy. You, you know, you still got Justice Winslow when he's healthy. But I'm going to need John Morant, man, because he's easily one of the best facilitators in the game right now, and it's only year two for him. And he's like my favorite player in the league right now, bro. So I'm going to need John Morant. Thank you. Come again. That's the guy I'm going with my, with my first overall pick. So with my first overall pick, I'm going to select R.J. Barrett from the New York Knicks. Ooh. A very underrated player at the third overall pick. And I think he showed a lot of potential coming out of Duke. And that, that potential is exceeding as we speak. I think that R.J. Barrett has the potential this year to become an all-star. And especially with the team that is on being surrounded by great talent. I think it's going to be a huge loss for the New York Knicks, though, especially to surround my franchise, to build my franchise around R.J. Barrett because the Knicks are in the process of building their franchise around R.J. Barrett. I think it's a huge loss, but R.J. Barrett seems like the right player to build a franchise around. I think R.J. Barrett is significantly underrated this season. I don't – I mean, this is – I mean – I know the Knicks are not great, but they are scrappy. And R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle are playing out of their mind. Austin Rivers went ballistic the other night for anybody who didn't catch the game. And, I mean, I think R.J. Barrett, I think that is a very sleeper pick on your part with the first overall pick because R.J. Barrett is serious. He is serious this year. So I think that was a great pick on your part. This second pick is extremely difficult because I have two guys in mind who would be perfect options. But the one I'm going to lean with is the homie LaMelo Ball. I'm going to go with LaMelo Ball as the backcourt partner next to John Morant. I think that the thing here for me is that, again, we're trying to put butts in seats. We have a dynamic above-the-rim guard in John Morant and a dynamic perimeter facilitator in LaMelo Ball. So not only do we have dynamic playmaking on both both levels, but we have two guys who are slowly coming into their own as three-point shooters in the league. They both share the ball at a significantly uh, high rate. They both, I think John Morant is more of the scoring uh, the scoring guard in this pairing with LaMelo Ball maybe even being the more primary facilitator out of the two. And I think that they have a chance to be a really good uh, defensive backcourt because they both play very extinctually. Uh, and I think that they just have the kind of facilitating ability to start a team And having two point guards in your backcourt, I think, is a really good way to give some different flavor to a new NBA city as well. So 
my second overall pick is going to be R.J. Barrett's teammate from college, Zion Williamson. Now, I know that his season so far, he's he's having a pretty good season so far. 23 points, close to eight rebounds a game, shooting close to 58% from the field. It just seems fitting to get the college teammates back together in a new city. And especially, like you mentioned with LaMelo Ball, this is a tan- this is a tandem that can put butts in seats that Facts. can fill seats, and I think that that's all the explanation I need. That's it. If you saw what they did at Duke, then it's going to transition well to the NBA, and I wouldn't be surprised if this tandem is on billboards in Kansas City. Yeah, man. I think that that's a scary one. And the reason what I was referring to actually was Zion Williamson as the other guy. John Morant and him used to play on the same AAU team once upon a time. And I was wondering, do we get the AAU connection back linked up? But I think the Duke pairing, This I thought we were going to see it in New Orleans. I thought that was the perfect setup trade where they were maybe going to make an exchange for the third overall pick uh, with the Knicks. Uh, using some of the draft capital that they got from the Lakers trade. It didn't end up happening. I think in an expansion city, that would be a scary link up amongst two top three picks in their same draft class that both came from the same school. The storylines would be crazy. Uh, RJ Barrett's improvement next to Zion Williamson's dynamic uh, start to the year last season um, in terms of actually being on the court in the 20 some games that he did play. And so far low key under the radar this year, like you said, average 23 points, but just the Pelicans are five and 10 or something like that right now, just not playing very well. I think that would be a really great pairing out of Duke and man, the lobs are going to be ridiculous. We've seen RJ get hype over some Zion uh, laws before, but Lord, in a new city where they're the two cornerstone pieces of an NBA franchise, the lobs are going to be nuts. Um, So yeah, um, with my next pick, dude, I got to get some straps though. I got, I got to go get some straps because I, I love John Morant. I love LaMelo Ball. I think that they both are frisky defenders i think they can be scary defenders of as perimeter guys but i need me a real lockdown defender i'm gonna get the homie deandre hunter out of atlanta dude this dude is averaging 17 um 17.7 points per game dang near 18 points per game dang near six rebounds per game and two assists per game i think this dude in year two has had one of the sneakiest sophomore seasons outside of rj barrett i think he's one of those guys that really has woken up from last season he averaged 12.3 points last season uh 4.5 rebounds this year he's up to 17.7 i mean the jump is significant one of the bigger things that stands out to me is that he went from shooting 45 percent from two point uh two point land to shooting 60 percent from two point land he went from shooting 35.5 percent from beyond the arc to shooting nearly 40 percent from beyond the arc this season shot 41 percent on on the season from the floor in general last year shooting 51 percent from the floor this year on two more attempts per game on or, or about one one and a half attempts um more per game this season if he can if you're telling me that this guy next to trey young 
John Collins. Uh, Bogdanovich is injured now, but obviously that was another guy in the mix for all of this as well. Clint Capella, Cam Reddish, who's came on really strong as of late as well and was coming on pretty strong towards the back end of last season as well. To average 18 points and six rebounds while also being a strap-up wing defender at 6'8", 225 pounds, that's going to be a legit four man for me. And I think that he's going to be a guy who's going to look really good for this team. And he's had a significant jump from year one to year two. And I feel like you pair him up now with two highly high scoring point guards in John Morant and LaMelo ball. And then you, you have a, and then you have a defensive asset on, in your lineup. I think that, it's starting to balance out. I think that it's, it's, it's an interesting lineup that you have so far. But when I'm thinking about my third selection, I want to find a compliment for Zion Williamson in the paint. So with that being said, I choose James Wiseman. Ooh. He's a okay. physical center down low, and he's having a phenomenal rookie season so far. He's definitely, he's definitely living up to the potential of a second overall pick. And I think that if he continues to play like this, he could end up being rookie of the year this year. And he's also learning from a great big man in Draymond green. So he's gaining the veteran experience. And I feel like if I pair him up with Zion Williamson, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with down low. And the front court duo of Zion Williamson and James Wiseman, this is another thing where I feel like, or this is another situation where I feel like putting them in, a, in the same city, in the same lineup together, I feel like the attendance, the attendance rates can skyrocket in my new stadium. Yeah, man. James Wiseman. Oh my goodness. Talk about a slick pick on your part. That is a guy who... You can tell right now if you watch the tape, he's a guy who's still trying to figure it out defensively. But Lord, he I mean, he is he is slipping in the blocks. He's a guy who, you know, he's shown off the tray pound a little bit with the, being able to shoot the rock from beyond the arc. Um, he looks legit to me right now. I think that he's not the polished prospect. Everybody might have thought he came off as coming out of college, um, coming off the three games he was allowed to play in college. <laughs> but nonetheless, I still think that that is a really significant pick. I do wonder if it's a little too clogged in the lane down there. Uh, Zion Williamson has been having a little bit of issues playing next to Steven Adams so far this year. I wonder if James Wiseman falls a little bit into that similar category, but the difference between James Wiseman and Steven Adams, of course, is that three ball. So I think that that's something that could become really important for your team because spacing is going to be really important with the fact that right now, you still don't have anybody that's a real shooter yet, which is really interesting to see what you decide to do in terms of uh, addressing that need. Um, moving forward, right? Because you probably arguably took the best center on the board for what we have pretty much available right now in terms of guys from these two draft classes. Not a lot of center help right now you know what i mean so with that being the case i really want a three guard lineup i've really been fascinated with this over the last couple of years 
Um, when I saw Shea Gilgis Alexander um, and Chris Paul link up in um, in Oklahoma City, I thought that that was a really really good pairing. But then I thought adding Dennis Schroeder made them extremely dangerous, and actually, along with a guy in Danilo Gallinari, it made them like like the most efficient offense in the league when they all three were on the court. So my thing about this was I was just trying to think who is a guy that could fit a three guard lineup properly next to a high volume scorer slash facilitator in John Morant and a high volume shooter slash facilitator in LaMelo Ball. So who did I come up with? I have another facilitator for you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Arguably top two, top three in the rookie of the year race as we speak. Plays relatively hard on defense, very good in passing lanes, this, that, and the third. Out of Iowa State, I'm going to take the homie Tyrese Halliburton to round out my three-guard lineup. I got three guys who can swing the ball all around the court. I have Tyrese Halliburton, who is never going to be a guy who averages 18-plus points per game. He's going to be a guy who floats around 10 to 12 points per game. He plays his role very well on defense. He plays his role as a cerebral a cerebral offensive uh, mind, a guy who can run an offense properly. Um, he's also a guy who plays really well off ball. Um, and I think that's going to be something that's really important too is the fact that I think he's a guy who can move really well without the ball. Um, and in an offense that's going to have a guy like John Morant and LaMelo Ball on it, I think he's going to need <laughs> to play really well off ball. And so I feel like this is one of those lineups where now you have similar to the, and I'm not saying he is Chris Paul or anything, but similar to Chris Paul, that three guard lineup, I look at Shea Gildas Alexander as being the equivalent to John Morant, except I would say John Morant has a little bit more athleticism. I would say LaMelo Ball is the high volume shooter that's similar to a guy like Diz Schroeder. And I would say that Tyrese Halliburton is the cerebral, take a, take a step back, not try to be as high volume of a scorer, but trying to be more of a facilitator and a runner of an offense that Chris Paul was for that Oklahoma City Thunder team the last year. And I think that is conducive to maybe not having the most efficient offense in the NBA, but surely a really dynamic one that's got a bunch of assists written all over it. So my next selection is very tough because the one thing, like you mentioned, it's interesting. I don't really have a scoring guard, but I think I might be able to find one in the Cleveland Cavaliers at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Darius Garland is my fourth selection. And it's mainly because of the improvement. I feel like his jump from year one to year two is or it has to be taken noticed or it has to, it has to be noticed and has to be recognized. I think that this year he's had a pretty good year. He's averaging 14 points a game, five assists a game, shooting close to 42% from the field, 38% from three, especially coming off of last year where he was averaging 12 points a game, 40% from the field and 35% from three. I think I may have just found my my scoring guard, as you like to put it. And I think that 
it's going to be an interesting pairing, especially with RJ Barrett. It's it's two completely different play styles. Darius Garland's a, a Darius Garland's a score first type of guard. RJ Barrett's a combo guard, likes to facilitate the ball. Now I just need to find my now I just need to find another player to complete my starting five, and I think that this team is going to be a very interesting team for Kansas City. Yeah, man. I think that these two lineups we have here, it's going to be really interesting uh, to see what the people think in terms of where things are, with our lineups right now. The interesting part for me right now, looking at my team is, you know, we love bucket getters, but I only have, I have, I have two guys who are two way players, two guys who are primarily offensively style players, but can show up relatively strong on defense. So the question is, Am I allowed to go out with a flyer mile with my center position? Now, it's kind of scary because we're not saying that these teams are going one-on-one against each other. So we're going to do, oh, it's, you know, John Morant versus Darius Garland, this, that, and the third. Some people might break it down as 1v1s. But the question is more so who fits on the team and how it's going to fit. Uh, How it's going to fit amongst the talent that's already there. Um, not only play style wise, but personality wise. Um, This might be a little reckless. It might be a name that most people don't even associate with the idea of having a starting five centered around, but it's a guy with a chip on his shoulder taken in the second round with a grade that should have been a first-round pick had it not been for the injuries he came in with. And I think it's time to let him off the leash, and Denver's not letting him do it. I want Bow Bow. I want Bow Bow. This is a guy who I think down low next to DeAndre Hunter, if you can give him significant minutes, let him play with that chip on his shoulder, block shots, play strong around the rim, He's a dude who plays like a point forward sometimes. He can be a little turnover prone, but I think that John Morant, LaMelo Ball, and Tyrese Halliburton are all really strong facilitators that will be able to not only take the ball out of his hands and not him not let him do too much of the, the Blake Griffin-esque stuff he can try to be on sometimes as a, as a point forward, but I also think they're going to get him in the kind of spots that make him, that allow him to play to his strengths. He's a guy who's, you know, seven plus foot, extremely long wingspan, can shoot the three a little. I I mean, I wouldn't say he's the most efficient guy in the world, but I think think, think the fact that he can stretch the floor a little bit also makes him extremely dangerous. And I think he's a guy with a lot of untapped potential. He came into the league with injuries. He spent a lot of time injured for Oregon. That was a team that I thought could have been extremely dangerous um, that, that year in the NCAA tournament had they had Bobo Bo, Bo playing. And um, I think in a city like Louisville that would embrace him on a team that has a lot of facilitators, a lot of defense, a lot of buckets, I think I think Louisville is the perfect place to let Bobo off the leash. That's an interesting way to close out your lineup. I would not have expected Bobo to be your last selection. But I've been thinking about my last pick for a couple minutes, just trying to think about who I wanted to close out. Did I want a traditional forward? 
Did I want a three and D wing? It was a tough choice. I think I'm going to have to go with someone to complete out this Duke trio in Cam Reddish. Okay. I think we may need to call this team the Kansas City Blue Devils. But <laughs> hey, yo, I'm going to write that one down. Okay. So if you saw everything that happened in college between Zion, RJ, and Cam Reddish, this is a deadly trio. And I think they're my big three. It only makes sense to build the franchise around RJ Barrett, but the big three is Zion, RJ, and Cam Reddish, teammates out of Duke. This team had the potential to win the national championship when they were together. They're all having great separate careers as well. RJ's thriving on the Knicks. Zion has that potential to be a number one pick, and he's playing like the potential of a number one pick. And then Cam Reddish. I don't think we've talked enough about the improvement of Cam Reddish, especially like you mentioned, to close out the season last year, he was averaging a he was he was averaging some great numbers closing out the closing out the last season. And this season, he's picking up the pace. He's averaging close to 12 points a game, but he needs to improve from beyond the arc. And in the games that he's shot the three ball, he's averaging close to 30%. However, I feel like pairing him up with RJ and Zion, I think it's a callback to their Duke days. I think they they have the chemistry together, and I feel like they're going to thrive on the floor together, especially adding Darius Garland and James Wiseman. I think we have some deadly lineups, Jalen. Yeah, man, definitely some scary lineups right here. I want to ask you a little question before we close up the podcast because I think it's going to be really interesting in terms of our teams right now. It was already really difficult to pick the top five. I hate to put some more pressure on us like this, but I think it would be a really interesting exercise to close out. It was really difficult to pick the first five guys off the board for each of us. Who would your six men be? Two words. And it's easy for me. Tyrese Maxey. Oh, man. Okay. Can I, I follow you up? Can I follow you up with another Kentucky bucket? Go ahead. I got Who? Keldon Johnson out of, out of San Antonio. Keldon Johnson has been beasting right now. Tyrese Maxey is a bucket of his own right now for Philly. Oh, man. Guess we had to get some Kentucky bros in there going crazy, huh? Wouldn't be right to have an NBA team without some Kentucky guys. And that's a strong way to end up the podcast. And it's a good way to transition to our question of the day for our fans, because we want to let our fans decide one thing. Who had the better lineup? Was it Jalen's lineup or was it my lineup? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. And of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.